Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to another chapter of the Book of Sean. Thank you for tuning in. I have an amazing show for you tonight. A powerful conversation with a survivor. Someone who went through an illness and a sickness and a bout with cancer and came out on the other side. But what would you say if I told you that sometimes the battle ain't over even after you've won a part of the war? See, my guest tonight has come out on the other side, but we never pass through a storm without scars. You don't come through a flood without getting some water on your clothes. And though she survived the arduous and the mendacity of cancer, she came out believing and thinking on some level that this might happen again. How do you live with that fear, right? How do you walk around with that anxiety? And, and you can understand it, right? If you had gone through dealing with what she had to deal with, I know for sure I would be living with the same questions. So now I want to help her maybe not answer that question, but live with that question with more joy and more peace and more power. And if by some chance you happen to be living with a question that you can't answer, you came to the right place tonight. So sit down. Take your shoes off. We're going to have a good time. Welcome to the show tonight. My guest, Kendall Lenise. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> I, I love your smile. Hey, how are you? Thank you so much. I am well. Thank you so much. You almost had me jumping out of my seat already. <laughs> jump, girl. My if the spirits say jump, go on and jump. I will, I will put this show on hold until you get your shout out. <laughs> <laughs> You have a great spirit. I, I, um, Thank you, Dr. I, I, I expected you to have a great spirit because nobody can go through what you've gone through and not on some level have a substance that is unique. So here's my first question. How did you hear that you had cancer? Where were you? What were you doing? And what was your reaction? Wow. All right. So it was March uh, 5th, 2021. I was going just to get a routine colonoscopy. I was approaching my 50th birthday, which was June 17th, 2021. I would have been, well, I would have been, I am, I turned 50. And I wasn't thinking anything of it. As for women, when we go get mammograms or for anyone getting a mammogram, you know, you say that silent prayer, okay, Lord, please, you know, let this mammogram, because you hear so much about breast cancer. So I didn't really hear much about colon cancer. So when I was going to get my colonoscopy, one of my friends said, I just had one. I'll take you. You got to be put under anesthesia. And I was like, fine, you know, no problem. Wasn't thinking anything about it. It was at that very appointment mm -hmm. that uh, the doctor came back. I heard him looking for my friend, my friend, Kim. They were like, well, where is Kimberly? Where, you know, where is she? Because mm -hmm. she has to come back. And I can hear it as I'm awakening in the, um, recovery area after you know to for the anesthesia to wear off and I hear her coming I find out a year later though she told me that there was blood on my gurney I didn't know that at that time she told mm. she just told me that so she said she came around the corner and she knew something was not right because she had taken another friend to get a colonoscopy and she had just had one so um they came in and he came in and he said he looked like that and I said well, what is it? And he said, we found something as we were doing the colonoscopy. And I said, are you thinking what I know? I said, you're joking, right? And he said, I wouldn't be joking like this. I said, so well, well what is it? And he, hmm. and he started explaining. So I was calm as a cucumber. If somebody would have told me before that I would have been told that I have colon cancer or any type of cancer, I, I wouldn't have predicted my reaction. And I really think because 
the way my friend was there, she was just so calm. And she was like, okay, I wasn't expecting that. So I asked him, um, I said, so, so, so what happens? Uh, what do you see? And he started explaining and he showed me on uh, the x-ray what he saw. And he said he took it out for a biopsy, but he really thinks it's that. And of course, he's been doing colonoscopies for years. So immediately I believed him. And um, I said, so what do I do now? He said, well, you're going to schedule a surgery. They're going to take out part of your colon and then they're going to reattach the colon. He said it like matter of factly. He said, so when you get home and you really get, you know, understanding of, you know, what just happened and what I just said, uh, book your uh, surgery, call the surgeon and book it. I didn't wait until I got home. I, in the car, I called the surgeon and I said, listen, this is the news that I just got. I need um, to book a surgery with you. I explained everything. And it started literally from the day I got the colonoscopy. Then that next week, I did all testing. And then I was in surgery on March 18th. Wow. It happened like that. And guess what? What? What I didn't know, and that's why I'm wearing blue today, what I didn't know that in March, it was colon cancer awareness. I remember when March started, uh -huh. I was like, woman's history, mom. I had no clue that March was colon cancer awareness month and the color was blue. Wow. I was clueless. Wow. So, and, it, and, and I got the diagnosis during colon cancer awareness month. Wow. So the month of March took on a whole new meaning and dynamic for you. But let me ask you this, because it's, it's, it's a fascinating story, but I'm wondering, you didn't have any emotional reaction at all? No fear, no it's anger? It's so interesting. It's no, I didn't. I didn't have my emotional reaction. I was just, I went in mode like, okay, what do I need to do? I kind of went there and it was almost a disbelief. I couldn't even say cancer for, for months. So I was just saying the C word. So already mm. it had affected me that way where I couldn't even say I had cancer. I yeah. could not even say that. Kendall, Kendall, stop for a second, because this, this is a teachable moment. That is itself an emotional reaction. Facts. Very right. true. Right. That's very true. Very right. true. And I had emotional reactions. At the time, I was kind of trying to process it. Mm. And when I got in the car and I did everything and I was going through the motions, I went to go get my testing by myself. I went, so I had a lot of time sitting with myself and it was almost unreal, but you're absolutely right. I could not even say it. I couldn't even say the words. And um, the closer that it got to the surgery, the more nervous I got, mm. the more um, afraid I got. Mm. When I went to go see the surgeon, I just told him, I said, I wanna live. I was like, I don't wanna die. I said, I'm about to turn 50. I said, one of my daughters is graduating from college. One's birthday is in May. I was like, I don't want to die. And he said, my surgeon was amazing, Dr. Burr. He said, you're going to live because you ain't going to ruin my reputation. <laughs> <laughs> but stop for a second. That's a great story. Um, but, but when you hear yourself say those words again, I want to live, I don't want to die, mm. your eyes changed a little bit. What, yeah. what, what, what does saying that, hearing that do to you, even now? It's still, it makes me emotional mm. because um, mm, I should put on some, uh, some water, waterproof <laughs> mascara. Um, you, are right. you are right. But it makes me emotional because I just remember being in that moment and it's a, a quiet fear. Mm. where if you've never heard those words, no matter how many times I explain it or say it, you're not going to get the fullness of it. You know what I mean? I do. So I, it was just a nervousness, a fear. Like, I, 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 I want to see this. I want to do this. So another level of life kicks in mm. where you're not, you know, and you just, because when you hear cancer, and I was fine during the day. I had the quiet worry, the quiet fear. But at night is when I, when I couldn't settle my mind before the surgery, like right before the surgery. Mm -hmm. I couldn't settle my mind with all of the possibilities and the what ifs. You know what I mean? So it I was do. really, it was really, 
It was something. Yeah, yeah. It and, really and that, was. And that little, that little phrase, something, I'm sure encompasses even more than you're able to say or even willing to say. I'm yes. sure I'm sure in the in the deeper watches of the night, in the bitter watches of the night, yeah. all kinds of things were talking to you and telling you. Yes. Yeah. All kind of things like you're not gonna survive this, you yeah. know, what if you die or what happens if this, you know, all of those emotions coming up. And still at this point, I still wasn't even saying cancer. Right. I was saying cancer to God, but I wasn't verbally saying it. Mm. You know, I was saying the C word as if it was less painful to say the C word opposed to cancer. Right. Or if, if my if I may, less realistic. Because a yeah. part a part a part of the inability to say it is that when we have to say something, it becomes real. Yeah. 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 And I really used discernment on who I was going to tell. Like I didn't, I was very strategic because I didn't just run to tell people. I had right. something, I had a show to do like the same day that I heard and I got on there. And in my mind, I was like, you just heard that you had cancer. Like I was still trying to process it, but everything happened so fast. I couldn't process it and then go. Did like you I ever break down? Did thing. you ever break down? Did you ever did you ever just let yourself cry the way your soul wanted to? It's so funny that you say that because I am a crier. Mm. Like I will cry. I don't have any problems releasing those emotions and crying. But it's so crazy. I didn't until after the surgery, after everything and I was in the bathroom. And I came back and I came across, and this was, I came across my hospital bracelet. Mm. And I just started bawling, bawling in the bathroom, like, wow, God, I had cancer. Mm. Like, you saved me from cancer. Mm. It was so interesting how it hits because I am a crybaby. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And it was just so weird that I didn't break down in tears at that moment. But I tell you, what really got me and when it really came to realization for me, Dr. Sean. In the last year and a half, I've had three colonoscopies where most people don't get one for every 10 years, maybe every five years because of, you know, having cancer. Mm -hmm. um, I had to go back a year later. So this was just this past um, May, April, uh, March, April. So when I went back and I just had a colonoscopy um, a month ago. Mm. So when I went back a year later, that's where my broke breakdown began because I went back and I realized, I think I have PTSD. Mm. I went back to the same place that told me I had cancer and I could not settle. I pray, I meditate, I do all of that, but I was unable to calm myself when I went back to that place. So I didn't have the breakdown when they told me at the place, but I had it a year later. Mm. I was on the table getting the colonoscopy. Dr. Sean, I could not sit still. I was jumping up. I said, can I go hug my daughters in the waiting room? I, I was moving like this. I could not settle my spirit. Mm. And then some of the same people were there. Then I told certain people like the last time I was here, they were like, I get it. I yeah. understand. And that's when I realized, oh, snap. That's when all of those other emotions flood. And, and throughout different times, they'll just come out. And I just allow it to come out. Well, that's good. That's good. And, and that, the experience that you had when you went back is an yeah. interesting experience because what it says to me, like just listening to you, it says that the first time around, you were able to use avoidance. Right. To, 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 to not deal with it. You 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 went into fix it mode. Let me call the doctor. Yeah. Let me schedule Let me go to my checklist. Right. And that yeah. that that is really avoiding the despair, the fear and the emotion, the anger, the frustration of having to deal with it. But when you went back that second time, avoidance wasn't available. That second mm -mm. time, the, the trauma had already rooted itself. And you were in that moment for the first time dealing with 
what you avoided the first the, the in the second time you were dealing with the very thing that you avoided the first time. Let me ask you. Yeah, this. I think it was a go, no, fog or something. I think I was in like a a fog. Like I was very aware that I had cancer. I was very aware of what I had to do. I was very aware of all of that, but it was just like I got to you got to do this this then this. I was just trying to get the directions what to do, how to do. They had it. So it was very overwhelming. Yeah. You know, to try to 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 try to grapple with everything and deal with uh, the other side and then the diagnosis side. Yeah. Yeah. So it could have been avoidance and I didn't even know that's what it was. You you mentioned post traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. Um which makes me want to ask you this question and then we'll take a break. So what has this journey done to you? Hmm. It made me praise God a little louder, louder and harder. It made me be an advocate for, um, for colon cancer awareness, especially in the black community, because I had so many people shocked saying, you're not a man or you're not white or how did you get colon cancer? You're, you eat like this. Or you, so just the myths, um, it made me know that stress is no good for me. And to try to remove that any way possible out of my life, it made me, um, even though you think that you're grateful, even though you think that you're, you know, that God is the center and you already live your life that, it takes it up a notch. Mm. So it just made me just more grateful and thankful that I'm alive because I know mm. that Prayers kept me alive. I know that God kept me alive. And I know that getting uh, my colonoscopy earlier than I thought, you know, I went before they say, said to go. If yeah. I would have waited, I might not be here because the whole calendar year of 50 is 365 days. I yeah. went before my 50th birthday and I had stage two carcinoma of the descending colon, which I didn't find out until after my surgery. But had I not, I might not be here talking to you. So I'm extremely grateful because I know, I know that I know that this is not a lot of people's stories. No, it's not. It's not. Listen, Kendall, I got to take this break. Um, okay. But I'm going to push you before I take this break. Okay. I don't think that that's the only thing it did to you. I believe mm -hmm. everything you just said. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But mm -hmm. I also think you can't go through what you went through and not come out with some scarring on the soul and the mind. And when we come sure. back, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. We'll be right back, everybody, because there's more to this story, okay? And the more we hear, the more we learn. The more we learn, the better we become. And that's the goal. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. I'm talking to Kendall Lanise. Her story, her journey is an incredible one. It is a journey that took her from having cancer to overcoming that. Um, to living with some of the vestiges and the scars. Um, because nobody comes through a battle without a few scars. That's how you know you fought for your life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Kendall? Let, 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 let me ask you this, because I want to I wanna give voice to this. Um, I hear that one of the things you are anxious about is the reality of this cancer coming back, having to deal with this again. Did we get that right? I think you're on mute. You're on mute. Take yourself off mute. Who, me? Yeah, there you are. We got you. We got you. Oh, we got oh. you. Okay. Start over. It Go gives, ahead. Yes, it gives another level of anxiety. I didn't suffer mm. from anxiety before, but it has really made me extremely anxious because I don't lo know how long I was walking around with cancer, Dr. Sean. I didn't even know what was in my own body. So it gives you a level of anxiousness that um, that I find myself breathing, breathing through it because mm. it's like, oh, God, I hope it doesn't come back. How long was it there before? You know, stressing to the point where, you know, your blood pressure is elevated. My blood pressure was elevated for the first time ever right before I was going to get the colonoscopy. And I've had my doctor for 30 years. I've mm. never had elevated blood pressure. And I did because I could not calm myself down because 
of the worry and concern. Well, what if I get this again? Or well, what happens? So yes, it gave a whole nother level of anxiety. And I and I pray and I believe and I meditate, but it doesn't, it's still something that I'm dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And and that's to be expected, by the way. I, I want you to hear me say that to you. That what yeah. you're dealing with is normal. What you're dealing with is a part of the journey. And you should in no way feel like there's something wrong with you. Um, I want to mm -hmm. ask you this. Are, do, do certain things trigger you? Yes. Um, when I see people pass away from colon cancer, mm. when I see people say that now they have another form of cancer. Mm. When people say um, it came back or when people have any other cancer, it's so interesting. That triggers me. And then also I know people who have lost people who have cancer. So then you have survivor's remorse. Mm. Mm. That is to say feeling guilty about the fact that you survived. Yeah, not not even guilty because God did it, not me, mm. but feeling bad for them who lost someone that God saved me from and I survived from. Mm. Mm. So those are very those are very triggering for me, you know, and then we now Wakanda Forever is out and Black Panther. And I think about um, Chadwick Boseman. He had colon cancer. I didn't have it at that time. But I think about all my old school heads know this um, uh, from UTFO. And I think about um, Kango Kid. And he died from colon cancer. But the interesting thing, I was reading his story a few weeks before mine. And he was diagnosed with colon cancer. Only for like three weeks later for me to get the same news, which was really weird. So then we had kind of talked on social media. We were going to get the word out and he passed away Yeah, yeah. from you colon cancer. So when I see that, like it really messes me up, Dr. Shafi, like, my God, you know, it's just really. So tell me, t tell me this, tell me what is this doing to you in ways that nobody can see? So, because hold on. I know there are people mm -hmm. in your life who look at you and they mm -hmm. hear you and they mm -hmm. and they hear your faith and they hear your strength mm -hmm. and all of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But I'm sure on a level that only you can understand, mm -hmm. this anxiety is doing something to you. What is it doing to you and what is it keeping you from doing? First of all, the anxiety is keeping me from relaxing at times when I should be. Mm. And it's hard to turn it off. And it's so difficult to explain. The people that experience this, the people that have heard you have an illness. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because we're going to do some work. We're going to do some work. Okay. Tell me what you're afraid of. What are you really afraid of? Um, checking out before I do everything I want to do in life. No, that's good. But we got to name it. We're not going to do what you did okay. with cancer. Call it the C word. Okay. All right. Okay. I'm going to ask it again. Yes, we're we, we going to name it so we can defeat it. Tell okay. me what you're afraid of. Death. There you go. There it is. So, so put it in a sentence. I'm afraid to say that whole sentence. I'm afraid to die early before uh, I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I know that's right. <laughs> but don't make me do that. I'm trying to work with you. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. So we got the sentence. I'm afraid to die, right? That's where it is. That's where it is. All right. Now, the good news is there's a way to overcome that. Okay? And the way you overcome that is not in medicine. I feel like throwing my shoe on. <laughs> it's sneaking up on me. The way you overcome that is, has nothing to do with what happens to any of those doctors in any of those rooms. Let me ask you this. Tell me what you believe. I believe that God saved my life and he has purpose over my life. And I'm clear that um, he is in control of my life. Okay. That's what I believe. No, no, that's, that's it. That's it. That's it. Now, you believe that not just with your head, right? Yes. You believe it with your heart. Yes. You believe it with your soul. Yes. Mind, body, soul. That's what you believe. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to push you. Then tell okay. me how it makes sense.
to be afraid of death. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. Say it again. It doesn't. Your face just changed. What happened? It doesn't. Because it doesn't, because you know that. I feel that. I believe that. But I have to tell my body that when it's happening. <laughs> and that's the thing. And those are the private conversations that I really have. Like, God got you, girl. He saved you for a reason. Yes. You know, I really have those conversations. And I will tell myself, calm down. Breathe. You know what to do. Because Pray. Hold on, hold on. Okay, hold, hold on. Because knowing what the right things to say mm -hmm. are and knowing what you believe is one thing, having it become a conviction by which you live and guide your life is mm -hmm. something totally different. Mm -hmm. So you know it and, and mm -hmm. you believe it. Well, mm -hmm. our goal in this moment is to move it over to being a conviction where yeah. you're able to say to your body, to your, to your, to your colon, to whatever part of you, <laughs> we need to talk to tonight where you say, and my God shall supply all of my needs. Yeah. I'm not worried about anything and I'm not yeah. worried, not because it's not realistic or real possibility. I'm yeah. not worried because I'm not afraid to go back into that valley because I beat it once. Ooh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, 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 me, let, me, let me, I saw that. <laughs> I saw, I saw. If Kim falls out the chair, y'all, it won't be because she's sick. It'll be because she's sick. Um, and it's, I, I can relate to what you're saying. I'll tell you why. Because sometimes I get anxious about my life and where it's going and all of that. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to remind myself that I was born in a garbage can. I was left mm. in a garbage can. Mm. I'm the baby that beat life in a garbage can. Mm. How dare I sit up at this age and be afraid of tomorrow when I had enough strength and courage and fight to beat death in a garbage can. Ooh. And that's my word to you. Ooh. You've already beat this devil. You've already yeah. won this battle. And everything that was in you that won the first time has the power to do it. If you have to do it again, you can. I don't want you to have to do it again. We're mm -hmm. praying that you never have to. But listen mm -hmm. to me, if you have to, you can win again. Mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm, ain't good enough. Amen. No, no I was, no. I'm, <laughs> my, if you can't see my feet, my feet are like, <laughs> amen. You, you get what I'm saying? Amen. Yes, I know. Yes, amen. Yeah, yes. This, this fear is, is understandable, but it's not rational. Right. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's not rational if you believe. Now, if you believe, yeah. if you don't believe, then, then, we, then that's not, but if you believe that there's something bigger than you who's guiding you, holding you, protecting you, and pulls you out the first time, then you gotta believe that that same power has the ability to keep you down. And the way you quiet the mind, the way you quiet the mind is to surrender, is to surrender to that power and to surrender to that wisdom and to that grace and to know that goodness and mercy, it follows you. And the good news is, Kendall, you have proof. Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. You're so, you're so absolutely right. You're so absolutely right. So now I'll have God in my head, me in my head, and I have Dr. Sean in my head. <laughs> when, it's time to calm, when it's time to calm down. Yeah. But no, you're absolutely right. And I got, you know, I got great news when I got the third colonoscopy just last month. They said I don't have to go for three years. Everything looks good. Whatever I'm doing, keep doing it. So yeah. to God be the yeah. glory. To for God, that. to God be the glory. And and we're not gonna let fear ruin our lives. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give you this, and then I, then I'm gonna let you yeah. go. Um, yeah. Tell me the difference between these two scenarios. If I said there's a lion outside the door of the room that you're in and the door is locked and you can hear the line roaring and scratching at the door. Okay, that's one scenario. What's the difference between that and if I said there's a lion in the room with you? Mm. What's the difference? The difference is I can pray that that other lion stays outside mm. and he's not even here. So it's nothing that I really have to address at this time because it's not here. The other one is if it's here, then I have to address it. I have to look it in the eye, but I can walk away from that window if that if it's outside, if it's not here, and pray that away. How about how about that? And and he, and here's the good news for your life: the lion is not in the room. 
He's not in the room. He's not in the room. Do you He's feel like throwing your shoe? Because I do. I do. I do. My I, look, my shoe just, I just kind of kicked the right one off a little bit. Because you you telling, you talking right. You telling yeah. the whole truth. The good You're news is right. the lion is not in the room. It may be yeah. at the door. And that's a different prayer. And so yeah. my, I invite you to enjoy the room. To don't let what's outside the door take the power and the beauty of what's in the room with you. And so enjoy the room. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good, Dr. Sean. Thank you. That's good. Kendall, I I enjoy talking to you. Thank you for this. Thank you. I appreciate it. I really, really do because you know it in your heart, but then someone else says it, you like, you know that. And so I appreciate you for, you know, keeping it a hundred, as they say, really, you know, saying it how you said it. It means a lot to me, and I'm definitely listening. Yeah, and thank you for that. I, I, I receive the affirmation, and I pray your strength. I pray your health. I pray that the lion never comes in again. I pray that you have joy. I pray that you have unspeakable peace. I, I speak quiet over your mind. I speak, I speak life. I declare that you shall not die, but you shall live. And behold the beauty of the Lord in the land of the living. I decree and declare that the best of your life is on the way. And you have not even tapped in to the best part of you yet. There's more coming. You got more joy coming, more love coming, more power coming, and more peace coming. And it belongs to you. You've earned it. How about that? How about that? How about that? Mm, mm, mm. All right, oh we'll let, we let you go so you can throw your shoe like you want to. I know. <laughs> like, you can't, you, you can't leave me right. You just gave me that word. You got to give me a moment. <laughs> you have to give me a moment. Oh, my God. Well, oh, thank you, Dr. Sean. Thank you for that. I my appreciate pleasure. you. We are, we are all in you. your debt for your courage. Uh, listen, everybody, when I come back, got a lot of aha moments from this conversation. I can't wait to give them to you. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back, everybody. That was an amazing conversation. I really enjoyed talking to Kendall, and I got some things out of it. Highly, play the bumper, man. So, listen. It's interesting how we tell our stories, right? And we often tell our stories from the perspective that makes us look like the hero, because we are both the subject and the writer of the story. But something changes about the power of the story when we stop making ourselves appear to be superhuman in it. When we allow vulnerability to become a part of the telling of the story, we actually open ourselves up and disclose ourselves to greater levels of healing and power. You see, that interview and that conversation changed when I insisted that we talk about the scars. Lord have mercy. We can talk about faith, and we can talk about courage, and we can talk about victory, and we can talk about healing, but none of it will be complete. The journey will not be what it was intended to be until we talk about the scars. And, when, and in that conversation, when we got to the scars, then we were able to name what the fear was, the fear of death. I called her to what she believed, and I just mirrored back to her what she believes. And sometimes the only thing that has the power to get us through one level of anxiety and fear to another level of life and determination is what we believe. Remember what you believe. And when you start shaking and quaking and falling apart, just remember that you believe something that is true for you. And that's why you believe it. You believe it not for when you have money in the bank. You believe it for when you don't have a dime in your pocket. And you're afraid that life might come and take the only life you have. The aha moment from that conversation was that the lion is not in the room. And for a lot of you watching, you got to remember that, that what you are afraid of happens to be the thing that hasn't happened yet. So how about you stop focusing on what hasn't happened yet? And as I said to my sister tonight, enjoy what's in the room. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Let's do some ass, Dr. Sean Hiley. Play the bumper, man. So you guys always send me amazing videos, and I'm always indebted to your kindness for them. Uh, Let's take a look at this one right now. 
Hi, Dr. Sean. My name's Adriana from Memphis and I need some advice. Um, I've been crushing on my best friend's brother for years and recently he broke up with his girlfriend and asked me on a date. So do you think that would be a bad idea or what should I do? Ooh, okay. So you are crushing on your best friend's brother. He broke up with the girlfriend and now he asked you to go out on a date. I don't see anything improper. I don't see any infractions, no moral, you know, ineptitudes going on here. I'm assuming everybody's grown, right? And I'm assuming that um, your best friend does not believe that she has some kind of possession of, over her brother, that he belongs to her um, and she has to clear who it is uh, who he decides to date. Um, the thing I would do is to um, don't let your best friend hear it in the streets. You know what I'm saying? That's your best friend honor the relationship and be open to whatever reaction that she may have and then make it clear that her reactions won't determine your decision, that her reactions won't make your choices. You're gonna make your choice based upon the fact that you actually like this guy and you've actually been liking him for a little while. You may not wanna say that right away, but you do wanna tell your best friend that you are gonna go out on a date with her brother. Because you know, she should probably hear that from you. Or better yet, she should probably hear that from her brother. One of the two, y'all need to say something is the point that I'm making. And then you go, you ready for this? And live your life. You go find you some joy. You go find you some love and some affection and attention and all the things that your soul deserves and needs. And you stop worrying about what somebody else thinks about it, even if it is your best friend. But who knows? You might have messed around and connected with the love of your life. You might actually have found the person that you were born to be with. You two may be so simpatico and so in tune with each other that you are like peanut butter and jelly. Huh? <laughs> You're like chicken and buffalo sauce. I couldn't think of nothing else. <laughs> I'm just saying, go live your life. Go find you some love. Because if you've been watching the show tonight, then you heard my guest say that you can wake up one morning in one situation and go to bed in another situation entirely. And in between those two situations, you owe it to yourself to live a good life. So have a good time. And just for the record, I really hope this works out. I hope you find all the love you can stand. Matter of fact, I hope, I hope that you send me a video saying, Dr. Shaw, this is so good, I can't stand it. What do I do? That's what I'm waiting for. All right, let's take a break. I got some more Ask Dr. Sean right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So someone emailed me this question. I've been dating a man for several months, and so far, he is amazing. He treats me well and is great with my daughter. But unfortunately, I'm not attracted to him. Am I being shallow because I want to dump him? Um, yes and no. <laughs> this is good. Buckle your seatbelt, Juan. This is going to be good. Yes and no, all right? Because great relationships at some point can't just be based on attraction because you're not always going to be attracted to somebody. And if the truth be told, people's bodies change. Somebody young and cute and sexy may not be middle-aged cute and sexy. And so the relationship has to be built on something other than just blind, creature-craving, concupiscent attraction. But I said yes and no. The no part is you do have the right to be with someone who you find pleasing and pleasurable. But here's the thing you should consider, because I think you might have asked me the wrong question. The thing you should consider is how much does attraction play in the unfolding of a successful relationship for you? What role, what, what um, not role, but what ranking would you put attraction on your list of important things? And you have the right to determine that. You have the right to determine how much you value physical attraction. That is your right. But my concern is if you overvalue it, right, then you might be missing out on an opportunity to be with someone who may not necessarily stimulate you in terms of their looks, but they may have other ways to do it. You do know that there's more than one way to be stimulated. And maybe you should be open to that. But it's your choice. No one can tell you that you're wrong because you've decided that Physical attraction is the most important thing to you. It's not wrong, it's a preference, and you get to experience your preference. What I'm trying to help you decide and understand is, is that ranking of preference in line with who you are? 
and who you understand the best of love to be about and what you understand rather the best of love to be about. Because love at its best may not always be cute. What would you say if you found the love that you always wanted and needed, but it came in a form that you were not attracted to? That's, that's where you are. And you have to ask yourself not a question about attraction, but a question about your character and what you value. And I'm not trying to shame you or make you feel bad if you choose attraction to be the most important thing. I just want to make sure that it's your choice so that you can live with it and the consequences that come along with it. Because you'll mess around and date somebody because he's really cute. I mean, drop dead, sexy, cute, make you, make, you, make you dribble. I mean, make the spit roll out your mouth because he's so fine. And he have no character, no commitment, and no loyalty at all. Horrible with your daughter, a danger to your child, and not a friend to your mind. So you think about that, okay? <laughs> that came out shady, but I'm not trying to be shady. Anyway, I got another video. Let's take a look at it. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Alicia, and I'm in need of some advice. If a family member moves in because they've fallen on hard times, what is the maximum amount of time they should be allowed to get back on their feet? I look forward to hearing your feedback. So if you're asking me, 24 hours. <laughs> but, you know, it, it really depends on you. Dr. Sean's answer is you have 24 hours. And after 24 hours, you have to go. Because I don't want to live with nobody. I'm not interested in it. It doesn't concern me. I, that's not my thing, all right? I like, I like living by myself. I love it. I can walk around the house butt naked. <laughs> I could I could not wash the dishes for five days if I don't want to take the garbage out whatever I feel like it. I ain't got to clean the bathroom every other day. But it depends on what you can stand and what your connection with the person happens to be. But I do think this. You never let somebody move into your space without having the conditions and the terms established of when they about rather when they're going to leave. Don't let nobody come in without knowing exactly when they're moving out. Okay, so however long you decide, and that may be a conversation you have with the person where you say, well, how much time do you think you'll need? If you don't know, see what they say. And if the answer that they give is not suitable, you say, let me think about that. And if the answer is suitable, you say, you know what? Let's, let's, let's seal that, make that, the, make that the cutoff time, and let's both agree that 30 days from now, two weeks from now, whenever it is, you're moving out. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. No delays, no extensions. This is it, okay? And then they have to agree to it. They have to, they have to honestly say that I'm totally in agreement with what it is you are asking me to agree to. Because a lot of people allow people into this space with these sort of vague understandings about how it is this is going to work. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. Because when a person extends or tries to extend their stay, you're able to say to them, that's not what we agreed to. That's not what you agreed to. And that's not what I said was permissible for me. So you're not attacking the person when it, when it goes left. You're holding them accountable to what they agreed to. And it might allow the relationship to survive the conflict. Because if you have this vacuous, ethereal commitment to this ongoing stay, then you have to say to the person, I need you, you to get out. No, what you're saying is, no, we agree to this, and I'm holding you to your agreement. That's it. So whatever you can stand, whatever you can put up with, whatever the person means to you, whatever your compassion can allow, whatever your kindness can tolerate, whatever your mind can stomach, and whatever your stomach can be mindful of. See how I did that? <laughs> it all depends on you, Okay. You get to make this decision. And I would just invite you to invite the person who you're trying to be kind to into a conversation about the decision, okay? Because that's also a good way to see who you're working with. And if they say something unreasonable like two years, well, that's unreasonable to me. I'm assuming it would be to you. But if they say something unreasonable, whatever unreasonable is for you, then you're able to say, you know what? No, I was thinking something very different, okay? But here's the last thing, and then I'm going to take a break. If you don't want this person staying in your space, then I want to give you all the permission you think you might need to tell them that you don't want them staying in your space. Because the worst thing you could do is let somebody into your house who you don't want there. Because that's going to go left and be a disaster really soon. Okay? 
So make sure you want them. I don't care what the relationship is. I don't care if it's your mama. Make sure you want your mama. <laughs> you did say it was your friend, but just make sure you want them in your house, okay? And everything else can come after that. You'll be all right. I believe in you. I do. Let's take a break, Hiley. We'll be right back with some Here's What Doesn't Make Sense. Are we on? <laughs> I don't know if we're on or not. I can't hear a thing. Anyway, um, so let's do some Here's What Doesn't Make Sense. All right. So let's talk about what happened at the University of Virginia. On Sunday, three University of Virginia football players were shot and killed on the campus of the university. Devon Chandler, Lavelle Davis Jr., and Deshaun Perry were all needlessly murdered by someone who clearly should not have had access to a gun. I should also mention that three other students were wounded uh, in the incident and are being treated at the University of Virginia's Medical Center, and we are certainly praying for them and their complete and absolute recovery. We also pray for the families and the friends and the loved ones of the deceased. It's a very difficult time at the university, I'm sure, and young people having to deal with death, so much death. My heart mourns and breaks for the young people of this nation, the college students who have had to deal with so much death. And while I would normally do a whole thing here about gun violence, the thing that doesn't make sense with this story for me isn't just the fact that somebody who shouldn't have had a gun had one, but more so that this is about how much we don't value human life, how careless we are with life and with people, uh, their future, and, and, and how we inflict harm and suffering as if it really doesn't matter. Christopher Donnell Jones Jr. is the man who murdered these three young men. And not only is he a murderer, you can see there, he's also a black man. Yes, he's a murderer, but he's also our brother. He belongs to us. He's one of us. He's a young black man who took the lives of three other young black men. And don't worry, I'm not about to do this whole song and dance about black on black crime because there really is no such thing. Crime is not about race, it's about proximity. What I'm gonna do is have a more interesting conversation with you about the fact that we don't seem to honor each other. We don't seem to see the God in each other. We don't seem to detect or be aware of the spark of divinity that each of us possess. And that's why it's so easy for us to destroy one another. Not just black people killing black people, but white folks killing white folks and Hispanic folks killing Hispanic folks and all manners of killings across racial and cultural lines. We don't value life. We treat it as if it's just something out of offer, something extra, something off in the margins. When the truth of the matter is nothing could be further from the truth. All lives are sacred, and certainly black lives are precious. And whenever we are in the presence of someone who reminds us of ourselves, instead of hating what we see because we hate ourselves, maybe we should do the hard work of seeing in them the divinity that brought them into this plane that we call life to begin with. You see, when you can't see in someone else some of the things you like about you, Maybe your job is to simply try and to see how God sees them. This should have never happened. These young men should be alive. And the fact that they're not just reminds us that if you're dealing with mental health, then love yourself enough to get help. And when you're dealing with someone else, love yourself enough to give yourself a future and not end up in jail. All right, I got one more to do. Let's talk about Jerry Rutherford, all right? This is going to get in your craw. So Jerry Rutherford, Rutherford is the newly elected member of the Florida School Board, and he wants to bring back corporal punishment. Oh, Jerry right there. Jerry was elected to the Collier County School Board, and he thinks that the way to deal with students that don't act right is to beat their behind. That's what Jerry wants to do. He wants to take out a paddle and a belt and just stop beating people's kids. He thinks the best thing to do is to give them a whooping. In fact, Jerry said this. He thinks that students with disabilities are out of control. <laughs> and he implied that he wants, he thinks that LGBTQ and religious students should have fewer rights, not more rights. They should have fewer.
fewer rights and a butt whooping if they don't act right. Jerry may be the newest member of the Collier County School Board, but he is also, at least by my estimation, not a very intelligent man. First of all, Jerry, beating kids is not a way to make them better. Let the whole church say amen. Second of all, Jerry, I need to tell you this, my friend. If you beat my kid, I'm coming up to the school and beat you. <laughs> Nobody gets to beat my kid but me. All the grown folks say amen. But thirdly and more importantly, Jerry, you ready for this? Managing behavior is never a winning strategy for getting what you want. You see, if I do what you want me to do, but I only do it because you want me to do it, did I really do it at all? I'm going to say it again. If I do what you want me to do, but I only do it because you want me to do it, did I really do it or was I just trying to please you? Changing minds is what we should be after, not changing behavior. That's not enough. Treating the symptom, treating the symptom is never a good way to understand how you get rid of the cause. We got to get to the cause of the behavior. We got to understand it indelibly and powerfully. You understand that? See, this is what unintelligent people do. Unintelligent people just want to come up with simple and binary solutions to complicated problems. Florida's a strange place. Y'all got some good weather, you know? Y'all got some great Cuban food, okay? But you know, I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> Jerry, you need to get off the school board, okay? In Florida, stop electing people to the school board that happen to be numb nuts. We need intelligent people on the school board, people who've read a book. People don't want to beat our kids. People want our kids to grow. Anyway, great show tonight. Remember, don't be afraid of what's not in the room. I'll see you next time. I love you. It's finally here. The Macy's Friends and Family Sale with an extra 30% off gifts they'll love. Get an extra 25% off kids' designer looks from Calvin Klein and more. Plus an extra 25% off Samsonite and Delsey luggage. With great prices from your favorite brands, Macy's has all the best deals you won't want to miss this week. And don't forget, Macy's card and coupon holders get 15% off beauty products they'll love this season. Visit Macy's.com to find great holiday deals today. Wingstop's doing what they do best, taking flavor to the next level. So when chicken sandwiches only came in spicy and plain, Wingstop said, nah, make it 12 flavors. Lemon pepper chicken sandwich, OG hot, mango habanero. You get the picture? Every famous Wingstop flavor. Now on a new Wingstop chicken sandwich. Try all 12 and find your favorite at Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. Huh.